This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers, adult language, and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast of Rare Antiquities. Again, we continue our review of Star Trek Picard Season 3. Today we do Episodes 8 and 9. How are you guys doing today? Feeling refurbished. Refurbished? (laughs) That's a, I wouldn't say a deep cut, but maybe a a cut for what we're about to talk about today. Yeah, for Jordy, that is a long, drawn-out cut. It's like these guys who restore those old hot rods in their garages and yeah, I guess it's kind of right up his alley, I guess. But we'll, we'll obviously we'll get to there. Yes. How about you, Nathan? How are things going? Doing pretty good. Just finished watching the latest episode. Well, you know, I'll save it for later. I, I, <laughs> it's sort of long to save the same topic. Okay. So. Okay. Let's yeah. jump. I'm sure there's a lot to discuss here for these two episodes. So, well, again, we'll only talk about each individual episode first. So, we'll start with episode eight. I'm going to just run down a few plot points and then I'll tell you guys, you know, I kind of organize my thoughts on how we should probably break out our thoughts after this. But kind of what happens from a plot perspective here, Vatic has control of the Titan and wants Jack. Of course, you know, Jack does try and help with his mind foo. It doesn't really work or, you know, he gets caught in the act there. So, then Vatic's about to kind of kill everyone on the Titan. So, then they need Data's help. But Data's having a battle of the mind with Lore. Data does eventually went out. On the side, we have Riker and Troy bonding on the Shrike. As they're captured, Worf does rescue them. Raffi's on that ship and it's revealed the Changelings wanted something from dead Picard's body, which was something in his parietal lobe. Jack does eventually give himself up in the sense to trap Vatic on the bridge and some for some very odd reason. I could see so many things that can go wrong with this thing, but the bridge is able to open to space like an airlock, and they Air Force want her out of there. She dies. That's the end of Attic, and her ship gets destroyed. So she's it's the end of that character and her ship. And, you know, after a nice little ending with the whole gang around the conference room, Troy does her Betazoid thing with Jack. She says, yeah, he's something's wrong with him. There's an evil surrounding him. And she goes and they open up the red door that we've been seeing in the vision. And that's kind of where the episode ends. So I like to break it out into segments first, guys. Just organize our thoughts so we don't miss anything. So let's first talk about Riker and Troy and their scenes. Talk about Worf rescuing them and the reveal of the changelings wanting Picard's brain or at least part of it. What did you guys think? Finally, you know, Marina Sirtis got some more stuff to do here. But let's just focus only on the Riker and Troy and everything on the Shrike and the revealing of Picard's brain being important (laughs) for his parietal lobe. Anyone can jump in. I thought it was weird that we're actually getting this type of interaction with the character now, considering like we've sort of seen them, like we've seen them together in season one, right? It was weird that they kind of had like this rejoining, even though I didn't get the impression that they had been apart for any sort of length of time. I don't know. Like, it was good to see these two characters together. I felt like the show kind of had them separated for, for too long this season. It was strange that I felt like they were reconciling, even though we'd already seen them together in season one. I did like Worf's entrance. I mean, Michael Gordon's really killing the entrances for Worf this season, I felt like. And oddly, not enough for Rafi to do. Is this where they're actually talking with their son and how he uh, she was deadening his pain or did they talk yes, about that? Yes, this is, you talk about this. this is, okay, yeah. I thought that was actually pretty, I thought that was like a pretty interesting idea that I wish 
could get explored a little bit more. I mean, I, we'll probably never, but kind of that idea of like how the relationship maybe deteriorated because of the way he dealt with the death of their son and how she tried to help him, but maybe was not. It was sort of like the, is it the right thing for the wrong reason or wrong thing, wrong for, thing for the right wrong, reason? Wrong thing for the right reason. Yeah. Yeah. They still got really good chemistry, so I, I, you know, like all of that's really good. I just wish that maybe this could have been this kind of character bit could have been delved into a little bit more. But I thought it was it was good for what we got. How about then just the idea of like I don't want to go into the details because that's the all the the revelations are in the next episode. But just the idea of that they wanted something out of Picard's brain is probably oh um. I don't know. Like, I don't know. This feels like a weird plot point that, like, it's revealed, but it's also, like, doesn't really mean anything quite yet at this point. Mm-hmm. A real missed opportunity to say, use, or like, like his brain is gone. Like, something like a callback to, like, TOS's Spock. Yeah, Spock's brain. brain. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. It's like, his, his brain is gone. <laughs> yeah. Rafi could have had a great line there. Oh, that would have been like, better. It's like, instead of stealing the body. It's like, what do they want the with the, what do they want with the body? I mean, she turns yeah. around with this like weird, like half cock look in her one eye bigger than the other. His brain is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Oh, that would have been great. And then they had it walking all by itself, like the body, like in Spock's brain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, incredible. Incredible. <laughs> That would have been absolutely massive improvement than what we yeah. got. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah, the weird. Yeah, like how about Lobot you, Jeff? Picard. Yeah, how about you, Jeff? Or that'd be awesome, just like Lobot in The Empire Strikes Back, and you just yeah. Die. Well, that's kind of what it was in, in TOS. It was yeah. very. Simple. Oh, that's great! I wish we got that scene where Raffi, like you know, does her thing on the wristwatch. <laughs> it's like Picard's <laughs> yeah. eyes. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, Jeff, yourself. I honestly don't have much to say about the Riker-Troy stuff. They were good. I like them both. The timing doesn't quite seem right. I mean, I got the impression that their son died a long time ago. I got the impression that it had been a long time when we first met up with them in season one. That's correct. So, and obviously that kind of thing is going to carry with, you know, you're going to carry that for a long, long time, but... It just seems like it's um, it's still really raw when it didn't feel quite that way in the first season. So, you know, it's fine. When Dorn showed up, they played the Klingon music, right? When he... Uh, yeah, every time he walks in, in the room, they, mm. they play the, the chef's kiss Star Trek. They know yeah. enough to do that. Fantastic. Dorn's great. I mean, we know they wanted his body. They were talking about the parietal lobe and his aromatic syndrome. I don't really have anything to say about it. It was just a, a plot point that leads to a further plot point that's that will quite explore. important. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say the same thing. The one thing I will say is that I really thought Sirtis did a really good job in these scenes. Like, she, not just that they have chemistry, but I really liked some of the dialogue they gave her. You know, she said, like, one, she admit, finally admits the mistake that she says, you know, as a counselor, as you know, I'm not here with your grief. But she said she had to try or, like, I had to try and help you. I'm not getting the exact verbiage correct of what she said or the dialogue correct, but I liked some of those scenes, especially the stuff that was coming from Troy. Now, the stuff that was coming from Riker, as you had said, Jeff, I'll echo what you said. To me, this all felt like, as a couple, they had moved past 
this. And their focus was more on the remaining daughter, Kestra. And, you know, funny enough, when we aren't seeing them right away after the last episode or the last time we saw Riker where he originally saw that Roy was also, that Troy was also captured. So, of course, they maybe had some downtime where he may have asked this question. But for the audience, it's like, he didn't even bother asking, what about what about his daughter? Is she safe? Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, and then like, you know, they talk about how, I like the joke that she says, you know, he was good in bed. <laughs> The changeling that infiltrated. So that was great. So I dug that because all that joking stuff that they were doing. So that was good. The war thing, I mean, yeah, I mean, Klingon music aside, which is, that is cool. I found it kind of hokey that he just shows up. You know, I know it's supposed to be kind of a surprise, but you would think that breaking into the Shrike would be a challenge. It's not just, I know they their shuttle is cloaked. They can get near it. How do you get on? Anyways, that's just a nitpick. I'll let that one go, but I'm not a fan of that one. And then, yeah, I'm done with this Riker grief stuff. I really hope they drop it. I hope that's the end of it. Now, let's get into the data versus lore stuff. Data lore. So, we could talk all about this stuff and data winning the day. What did you guys think of how all of that played out? All of those scenes. This could be Jordy pleading, Jordy and Picard pleading to data. Like, we'll leave kind of the Vatic stuff outside of it. Just data versus lore and everything in that I thought this worked quite well, personally. He find her a chance to face off Data versus Lore one more time. And that was pretty fun to see. I did enjoy how Data eventually wins by allowing himself to be absorbed, essentially. And then Lore just basically becomes Data because he eats up all of his memories. That was a, that was a pretty cool idea. I like that. Instead of fighting, he just, yeah take all my memories and, and without realizing what that was going to do to him. So that was a cool resolution. I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, it's nice to see it's nice to see Data back, sort of, kind of. I'm not sure about the makeup, though. I don't think outside of just, like, whatever they do to hide blemishes for any actor on screen, I don't think there's any makeup on it. It's just, it's just, isn't it just uh, contacts and that's it for Data? It feels, like, it feels like there's a bit of a sheen. Again, I guess that's a bit of a nitpick. It doesn't really matter all that much. But yeah, I thought he was good. I thought he was really good. So how about then just, you know, because there's some fallout scenes. You get some more moments with Jordy and Data. You know, Data's kind of now also throwing, just talking contractions, throwing a couple jokes, but being a little bit more having some emotion in him. And we can even talk about the roundtable scene around the conference room. Everyone's there. This is after, of course, the stuff that happens with Vatic, but I'll just lump it into here. The whole crew's back together. There's some reunion with Data, like Troy finally says Data and all that stuff, so... Any comments there? Any other? LeVar and Spiner always had good chemistry, and it was nice to see them have a couple lines together. It was one of the more touching aspects of Next Generation was their friendship. So it's nice to see them get to hang out. Like, they haven't really had scenes together since Generations. They didn't really have any scenes in First Contact at all that I can, I can remember. So and the other two movies don't count. So this is really nice to see them get back into it a little bit. Conference scene was great. I knew seeing them all together in one spot was, was going to be great. I never thought that the conference room setting was the thing that was going to be like the, an emotional moment. Because like they're sitting around a table and yet, you know, you... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's TNG, but that's TNG. Exactly. So that's... Back and like, yeah, yeah, they of course. spent so much time around that table and it really, I don't know, it really sang to me... Uh, when they all sat down at the table together, I thought that was a real good moment. Yes. It's like, smart of them to know that that's an important piece, right? That even I forgot. It. What? Anyways. Okay. Nathan. 
How um, dare you? Yeah, I mean, just like Jeff, I thought it was like sort of a cool idea to have lore essentially become data. Although, I don't know, I, I almost kind of wish that personalities were maybe mixed a little bit more, but it just like now data can use contractions. It's just, I think a little bit of a, not a waste, but I think that the character of lore does bring a little bit of edge that maybe data needs a bit more. Although I guess like maybe you want, I don't know, maybe the decision then is like, well, we kind of just want to have data data because that's, this is going to probably just get kind of it again for the last time until the next time. And the one thing, though, is that I sort of noticed it didn't really... A lot of the scenes are not, like, all that dynamic. All the actors just kind of stand in a room. Spiner just appears to be standing still almost the entire time, <laughs> unmoving. And because uh, he doesn't have any pants on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Jeff, like, I... Probably not until you kind of see them sitting around, like, a conference table. You kind of get, like, some of those chills of just, like, oh, yeah, like, the you know, the gang's back together again. One thing I did sort of like with Lore taking over uh, or, like, throwing away Data's memories was just sort of the way like lore like just how he was very dismissive of how what do these things matter in the weirdest way like i immediately started thinking of the last fast and furious movie where john cena is just like he's like really bitter at dom because he sees like dom had all these things that like he could have had as well i'm not sure if next gen or star trek can recover with the comparison to fast and furious <laughs> but <laughs> Well, we're about to get into like some garage stuff. <laughs> but no, it sort of reminded me, and, and you know, and Spiner always played Laura really well. Even though like he, the character was maybe a little too different from time to time, I, I always liked it when he was on screen. I thought that was pretty fun, even though like, to be totally honest, I sort of saw where the scene was going, so... I think I agree with you. I'm a mixed on the whole Data's return. As I've already mentioned last episode, I think it does rob his sacrifice twice now in his journey. So this is a cheat. But you have to have it because the next gen crew is back. And then you get those, you know, really awesome scenes between him and Jordy, which were missing in the previous movies and stuff like that. So you get a rekindling of that. And then everyone around the room is awesome. The thing with Lore, I was just really hoping he would have said this. Are you prepared for the kind of death you learned, little man? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was waiting for that. It didn't happen. <laughs> so if he said that, that would have really been perfect for me in this episode. But I do like how Data tricked him into taking his memories. And I agree with you, Nathan, saying how it was interesting to see how Lore was just so dismissive of all of this. He couldn't understand any of this because, you know, he's twisted and selfish and all that stuff. Not, you know, it doesn't have any empathy within his programming and something that Data really doesn't really have empathy, but he has some understanding of it and he strived for it for his journey to be human. So I dug all that. It's just, again, you know, now you're getting kind of getting rid of Laura without getting rid of Laura. I mean, Laura is still on the table. His body's out there somewhere. Maybe. I don't know. So it kind of sucks to see Laura go so quickly. I think they kind of resolved it a little too fast. You know, these are all member berry stuff. You know, now we're just kind of closing the loops on everything that was kind of semi-open in TNG to resolve this season. So it is what it is. I'm mixed though, mainly because I was happy with how Data's journey, and I think they've shat all over it. So, but it is what it is. But again, I do love the conference room scene. They're all around the conference table. That was awesome. Got the feels, got the swells. You know, it was, that was awesome. Okay, now let's talk about the remainder of the episode, which is mainly dealing with Vatic. You know, she's got control, the Titan. You know, Data, once he wins his battle with Thor, he's able to kick her off the bridge by opening that thing up and then 
Jack's there. He kind of gives himself up a little bit. And I think him and Seven, because Seven stays there too, I believe. And then they erect a force field where Data does that around them and then opens up the airlock just on the bridge. Like, it's so weird. The whole bridge just retracts open space. I don't know what you guys think about that. I found that really odd because that's the bridge is... Go ahead. That is such a weird design feature. Like, because it sort of feels like that is something that can go... Horribly wrong. Terribly wrong. Oh, yeah. At like the worst possible. Exactly. You know, or it can be compromised or whatever. It's just... Exactly. Oh, it's just so weird how they made that play out, you know, but it is what it is. Anyway, and then, you know, Vatic dies. Hang on. Sorry. question. I want to ask something. So, I did not look this up, but like, would a changeling die if they went into space? Because they don't breathe. No, but they will freeze. So, yeah. Freeze, but would it kill them? Because I I seem to recall, I, I guess I could maybe look it up on Wikipedia or something like that, but I seem to recall that Odo was like found in space. Yeah, but he probably the wasn't container, found in space in a million little pieces. Space. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good question. Maybe, you know, she's, you know, it's just like the T-1000, you know, just warm it up and it might come all back together. You just don't and know. That's <laughs> quite right? possible that she would, but I mean, I'm assuming that all of those pieces, you know, inertia being what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're gone. They're all separated okay. off. Or, yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Actually, I forgot that she shattered. Yeah, she shattered. Okay. And, that, then, that the sh- and then, you know, the Shrike also exploded very right. quickly immediately after probably destroying what's left of the Changeling there. So, and then I guess then the question is, I mean, is that it for the Changelings? We'll get to what happens in the next episode, what the reveal is. And then, you know, we can wrap it up here, dealing with all of the Vatic stuff, the Shrike dying, how it was resolved. And then now Troy's there with her Betazoid power. She's going to help him try and unlock his visions and what's troubling him and get to the bottom of all this. And then that's where it kind of ends. They're about to open the red door, which he's been saying, I never wanted to go near that in his life. So, what'd you think of... All the Vatic stuff, the resolution of this character, how, you know, her hostage crisis played out that Vulcan science officer was vaporized. All the rest of the changelings, I guess, were dead. Is that the end of the changeling threat? I mean, we could talk about that as we roll over into episode nine. You could probably assume that there's still maybe a couple remaining on Starfleet ships, right? Because they would have been, you know, infiltrating ships and star bases Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there might be like a couple around but i mean i bet the but i mean they basically cut the head off the snake right so with vatic how about just the end of vatic there nathan you want to you want to just jump um, in i don't know how i feel about it like it didn't feel quite as epic like i mean it's a pretty epic death like a totally shocking like death but it happened so quick it felt more like a mini boss has been dispatched as opposed to and and in a way because she herself is almost kind of like a flunky i still think that like the character warranted like a larger uh, showdown i guess with the crew but overall, I thought it was pretty good. And then the way they destroy the, the Shrike, I mean, I thought that was a pretty epic moment. Like just, you know, just like ordering like, because it's seven that's ordering it. I thought that all that worked like really great, that part. Jeff, yourself. I thought it hit well. I thought it was an appropriately theatrical ending to a very melodramatic, appropriately over the top villain sending her out the airlocks. A great space villain way to go. I agree with Nathan. Felt very satisfying. With seven orders. All of the photon torpedoes at the Shrike. I thought that worked really well. I thought it was good. Yeah, it, it played well for me. And we always kind of knew she was the flunky, so it felt appropriate. Common enough concept, right? Where the sort of the fearsome attack dog is sort of front and center, but the brains of the operation still behind the scenes, you know? It worked. I kind of expected her to go in that episode. 
Oh, okay. You know, because we knew that there was a bigger bad that was pulling the strings. So it made sense to me that she would go first and then they would tackle the larger threat. While I uh, agree with you, it kind of made sense because she's the funky and there's a bigger bat out there. So, And the way they kind of put themselves into this corner with her taking control of the ship, there's pretty much only one way out. She's got to die probably in this episode if they're going to not extend that. I'm just really disappointed with the character. I think there was potential with Amanda Plummer, but over the last couple episodes, I've just not been digging what she's been given. She was eccentric and over the top, but I felt that it was just too much with her mannerisms and her tics and stuff like that. Like it was reminding me of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. It's a, it was just too much. You know, she went for it, but it was just too much. And they didn't give her anything of real interest to do. You know, it was just teasing. Oh, Jack, don't you know? You know, oh, I could just take you instead of tell you. And all of these kind of things. It's just constant teasing. You didn't like the cigar? He's really working the space with that cigar. Like, yeah. He is. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I mean, there's some aspect of her character and her mannerisms that I enjoyed. I'll tell you this. I didn't really dig it, especially the... Like, I agree that death is cool in the sense of being sucked out into space. It's a very science fiction way to end your villain and shattering. Correction. That's blown out. Or blown out. <laughs> Okay. And I agree with that. The only thing that I think would have made this way more better, because, you know, when Jack comes up and he reveals his little bomb, I would have said, he's holding a thermal debt and someone just... (laughs) (laughs) You know, you do that or you reword it a little bit, but you have the same kind of, you know, situation. Someone on the side says it. If they do it that way, all is forgiven because that would have just been perfect. (laughs) That didn't happen. I was a little disappointed. So, I'm... And then Vatic transforms into Salacious Crumb and goes... (laughs) That's correct. Gets... It's... Yeah. (laughs) That's correct. Kind of with you, Harry. I I think... Yeah, I don't think that they gave Amanda Plummer really enough to do. I mean, she's doing, I think, her best with like a thinly drawn character. I think a lesser actor would have made the part like really bad. Like it's like it would have been like a glaring problem, but I think she makes it work for what's there. But it, yeah, it's a bit of a letdown. I, I overall, I'm kind of with you on that. Mm-hmm. You think she was a thinly drawn character? I yeah. don't think she was. She had a full backstory, motivation. I mean, she is a classic mustache twirling type villain by design. But then if you you go down that route, then Jeff, then, you know, I think then the ending deserves to be a little better. I say, but it was a good ending though. She gets blown out into space and exploded into a million tiny little pieces and then vaporized in the explosion of her, of her former ship. I mean, it's like three deaths right there. So the reason why I say thinly drawn is because first of all, she should be on this epic mission of revenge, right? I mean, there's lots of good, some good aspects of it, but I think that really it's more just like the actor kind of bringing forth a lot of those qualities that, I just don't really think we had a lot of time to kind of sit with. Like she was on, she was like, like a POW that was experimented on. She took the face of her torturer. Those are all like really, I just feel like we just didn't have enough time to kind of sit with it enough. I kind of feel like if it was just some like CW actor, it would have been just brutal. Just give it all the same dialogue and the same backstory. Cause like there is some good stuff that's there, but like I don't think that it was given any love. Right. I don't know. Maybe I could rewatch it and, and have a totally different opinion on it. But like she was like part of like in an epic war, you know, like basically like the World War Two of their of that era and just like that whole POW and torture stuff. I just feel like why is she now? 
maybe they'll they'll sort of explain it, but it sort of feels like, well, why is she being commanded by anyone else? Like, why isn't she the big bad of it all? Because it gives her the ability to execute her revenge on a much larger scale than she would have been able to do just on her own. She's not a master. She is an attack dog. I don't know. I would have liked a little bit more like um, a Baron Zemo in Civil War or something like that, where it's like, I need a way to like bring down someone more powerful than me. I get that that's kind of what's happening. She's not harnessing the big bad. She is agent of the big bad, I guess. Nathan, I kind of have the same feelings as you. I know there's satisfaction in her death there, Jeff, and, you know, you can't complain the way she went out. It's just that I wish that there was more to it. Even though, like, there is motive, we got a backstory, you can't complain, okay? She was tortured, she just wants revenge. But also, I, remember, I just we didn't get a lot of her backstory till much later in the show. Like, early on, she well, just last episode. mustache well, twirler. Oh, yeah, it was just last episode. Yeah. Most of the time, she's, yeah, she is the mustache twirling villain. And, well, like, you put a CW actor in that role and it's just like this is dumb well if you put a cw actor in the role of citizen kane it would also look very <laughs> dumb i mean that guy's not really the right unless you put unless you replace all the actors in citizen kane with cw actors and then it's gold i well, would watch, I would watch <laughs> just the entire cast of riverdale the, the entire cast of riverdale yeah. in citizen kane yeah i mean we will obviously talk about how the borg are involved the real big bads here we might get it in the last episode i'm gonna venture a guess we probably won't have the time to go over it is going to be how did they all get together how did this to me i know we keep bringing up the stupid star wars sequels but it just feels like you know kind of another snoke thing or kind of another palpatine whisper in someone's ear thing. It's just like, how did this all happen? You have this, you know, tortured changeling group or changeling freezer people in the Section 31 lab, and all of a sudden they just join forces with the Borg who were supposedly mostly destroyed to hatch up this plan. And what's the motivation? Like, I know she just wants revenge, but again, it's just like, it just feels something is missing. I don't know. That's just me. But why don't we roll into episode nine and I will start with the sound effect of classic George Costanza going, ha ha! A lot <laughs> going on in episode nine here. Again, I'll go through the plot just like I did the previous episode. Just Richard watched it. So Troy learns her kind of Zoid mind meld that, you know, it's all about the Borg, the Borg behind it thing, and use some code left card's brain Feudus, and they're using transporters to add this code in all of the Starship ships to the hope of or the plan eventually assimilate. And this will activate on Frontier Day with only younger officers impact assimilate. And we're led to believe every single Starfleet ship is now controlled by the Borg in episode 9 once this situation starts. Uh, the Borg Queen, and if I don't know if you guys noticed in the credits, it is voiced by Alice Krieg, who played the original Borg Queen in First Contact. Yeah. She's whispering to Jack all these years. Jack learns all this and just easily escapes the Titan and tracks down the Borg Cube, uh, which has the Queen on it. The classic Enterprise crew escapes the Titan on a shuttle, and the best part of the episode is that Shaw dies. Seven and Raffi stay behind on the Titan as Shaw's dying. And Jordy, as when they escape on the shuttle, Jordy leads them back to the Fleet Museum where conveniently he has been restoring the Enterprise D and the episode ends with the ship going to rescue Jack and presumably going to destroy the Borg Queen. So again, just to break out our thoughts, why don't 
we just kind of give me your first impressions of learning that the Borg are now the big bad. They're behind everything. We'll separate out Frontier Day and the classic crew getting on the shuttle and Shaw dying and them finding the Enterprise D. But let's just talk about kind of the biggest plot point is that the Borg are now the bad. That revelation, what's really going on. Anyone, floor's open. What are your thoughts? Awesome, not awesome, convoluted, can't tell yet. I feel like it was kind of sitting right there the whole time and we never really, for whatever reason, we weren't like, you know, is it the board? Maybe because we weren't expecting them to go there. Maybe we were, we were hoping they weren't going to go there. But when that reveal happened, I mean, it didn't feel convoluted to me just because I was like, oh, yeah, like obviously that that's who it's been the whole time because they're clearly after Picard's body and they're clearly after Jack for some biological reason. And we were asking the question before, like, why do they have all that stuff in the Daystrom station? And Nathan was like, he could, under, he said, like, I can understand why they have Picard in there, you know, simulated by the Borg. You went through the Nexus, all that stuff. So it's like, it's been there. It's been sitting right there in front of us the whole time. So that being said, it is the nerdiest, nerdy fan fiction, nerdy stuff that any nerd has ever nerded to say <laughs> that the Borg teamed up with the changelings <laughs> to destroy Starfleet. It's pretty wild to think that somebody would uh, go for that sort of fan fiction type of plot line. Okay, well, then do you dig it? The cards are all on the table now. It's just going to be oh, yeah. a fight at the end and yeah. that's it. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, sure, why not? I mean, it's the Romulans have teamed up with the Klingons before. Why can't the changes have teamed up with the Borg? It's not like it's unprecedented for two of Starfleet's major enemies to join forces to try to destroy them, you know? Alliances happen between powers that you might not think is true in Earth's history. I don't see why it wouldn't be true in the future in outer space. I mean, the Borg don't typically do the whole alliance thing, but probably they can't assimilate changelings, so they've used them to help them execute this very nefarious and bizarre plan, but yeah, I'm fine. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I don't know. I'm a bit mixed. Like, first of all, like, didn't the last season sort of invalidate all of this? Well, that's the separate, that's another question, and I think, you know, Jeff and I were talking about, you know, the board, did those events actually happen? Because, you know, all these events are kind of skewed with what Alice and Pills character now being the board queen. Yeah. So is she the board queen? Because that's the timeline they're in. And now there's another board queen. So I I thought they had her like she was kind of like a Hugh had his sort of own little faction of the Borg as did Lore. I was always under the impression even last season that Allison Pills Borg Queen kind of had her own little group of Borg because if she was the Borg Queen the whole time then the whole But that was the Borg Queen because the Borg Queen you know when Q put them sent them into the future that's still the Borg Queen. So when even though it might have been a different timeline. What, right, right. That but that, then when they queen, go the... when they go back I know Allison Pill becomes something different. They merge and right. the whole point point of the episode of season two is that they're going to go off and change things for the better. They may not have rewritten events in the past because now they kind of ended up in whatever the, the timeline that they went yeah, forward but, to, but she would but be working. Well, they were never the board. Well, I mean, that's going to be, well, that's going to be board. the question. So it's kind of, I find this all a little odd and convoluted. It, it's a little odd. And I, so aside from that, I felt a little mixed. I kind of wish that, you know, we could have maybe gotten away from the board. I guess that's hard to do 
do. It's intertwined with not only next gen, but just Picard as a character. So I guess maybe there was no other way. I mean, I didn't even need to see the credits to know that that was Alice Krieg. I mean, she yeah. has such a distinctive voice that is like, oh, that's great. Like they brought her back. Because I, I think that they had offered her, I think during Voyager's run to come back and she turned it down. She came uh, back for the finale. Oh, yeah. did she? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. She did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actor who played, played the board queen up to that point must be pissed, but she got some work. I guess. And she must be getting, she'd be getting residuals. Yeah. Voyager's I mean, playing all the time. So, you know, I will say this for the plant. I thought it was actually pretty clever. The transporters are like an interesting technology mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. track that don't, I think that they're used as like a story point. I don't think that they have, they don't really, and they've used it in some very creative ways. I thought this was a very creative way to mm-hmm. implement well, your plan. A, a, yeah. Implement the plan of sorts, right? It's just like to like kind of assimilate in a very, I mean, maybe that's not the right way, even though that's what they're doing. I thought it was very creative. I did like some of the jokes of, because it only works on people up to like a certain age. Seven makes a pretty good joke. It's like, I'm guessing by all the gray hair in here, it's it that has something to do with it. And then Deanna has another good joke. Like, I've never been so happy. So to see wrinkles, see, yeah. see wrinkles. Mm-hmm. You know what? I was a little bummed that shot. I was a little. Oh, bummed. I was totally bummed that shot. Oh, because I kind of grew to like him a bit. Oh, I loved it from the first <laughs> moment I met him. We'll talk about Shaw. We'll talk about Shaw, but okay. fine. Go ahead, finish your thought. Otherwise, you oh, might okay. forget. I know you kind of brought up like the end a bit, but before we kind of get there, one thing we didn't really talk about was like, uh, or I don't think you brought up uh, Shelby. We're not going there yet. We're only talking oh, about the Borg. Oh, that's okay. a separate discussion yeah, point. The thing with the Borg teaming up with Changelings, I mean, yeah, that's it is very fan fictiony, and it would not surprise me if there is at least one Star Trek book where they don't cross paths. I think Lower Decks actually has like a bit of a gag. Is it a Dominion ship in? No, it's not a Dominion ship. I can't remember. They got so many fucking ships in that opening now for Lower Decks. Well, they got they have Pac-Leds fighting Romulans fighting Borg in the opening. Yes. Okay. For some reason, I thought they had Dominion in there. But no, they added the crystalline entity as well. They did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love okay. that opening sequence. But, so but they should almost add like, well, I guess in Lower Decks timeline, uh, I guess it's after the Dominion War. But anyway, I don't know. Uh, so overall, yeah, mixed feelings on kind of bringing back the Borg like that. Yeah, this I hate this whole thing. It's fucking vanilla, and I'm done with it. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's fucking... vanilla. Yeah, this shit is, is Harry, terrible. Harry, it's basic. That's what the kids it, oh, it's saying. basic. Basic. It's... What are you talking about? <laughs> What's basic about this? You okay. want it more convoluted? No, no, I didn't want more convoluted. I just don't like the Borg. I mean, we've had season one dealing with the Borg, season two dealing with the Borg. Now, see, you could talk about, well, how did they get around it? It's Picard dealing with the Borg. Well, fuck, he's had two seasons dealing with the fucking Borg. And the, here they are again. It is such a stupid decision. I was okay with Changelings, even though I thought that was more of a DS9 thing and they were treading on someone else's playground. But I was willing to go with it. This is just stupid. Now, now I got a couple questions for you. So I'm not a fan of any of this. But anyways, it is what it is. I got a couple of points. So they're saying the Eremotic Syndrome that he was diagnosed with was a misdiagnosis. So I have a couple of questions. What the fuck killed him in season one of Picard? Two, how does Jack get this fucking thing? Because it's part of Picard's parietal lobe. It did, wasn't in his balls. 
So, okay. <laughs> now, if they remove the testicle, I can let it fly. <laughs> you know, I can let it slide. But it's in his parietal lobe, not his balls. Anyways, that's just something I got to say. And now, he that is a myth. Why don't we just throw all that out the window? Why do they need Picard's body? Just right now. Because they're saying they want the parietal lobe to weaponize it because there's the code in there, right? Uh, that they can use. But guess what's been happening before the theft of Picard's body and the portal weapon? That just occurred, but they were having all of these changelings infiltrate for God knows how long, all these Starfleet vessels. It wasn't just instantaneous, and then they had to alter the transporters so they could have this code in there to affect everybody so they'd assimilate. Now, what I do love about this is what you mentioned is that transporter idea to sabotage the transporters so they could assimilate people. I thought that's awesome. Great idea. Very Star Trek. Fits within the technology. You always wonder, we talked about why wasn't tractor beams ever used in this fashion. It's a great idea. I think that's a great way to introduce a weaponized system in a Star Trek story. Great. But this whole code thing is stupid. And the timing seems a little dubious to me. They just recently stole the portal weapon, and I know they were masking that to hide the fact that the card's body was, was also stolen. But that wasn't months ago. That was just like a couple of days before the events of the season happened. Correct me if I'm wrong. And that's enough time for all of these changelings to hit every single Starfleet vessel and sabotage the transporters this way. I find that a little hard to do. I don't know. That's just all I got to say. But just the board coming back to... Dumb. That's just me. You haven't said why the board has been done to death. That doesn't make it dumb, though. Like, you need to back it. I've already backed it. They dealt with it in season one and season two. Why are we doing it again in season three? Enough's enough. Well, there's I'm your answer. I'm right if they want to retcon out season two, though. Well, you're challenging me on my reasoning. That's not a reason. Season two exists. You can't retcon Well, that's true. It does exist. But I mean, like, hey, listen. How many times have we seen Klingons or Romulans or Ferengi? Like, oh, I'm the same. Not, I'm not. They keep I agree coming with you. back. They keep coming back. That's fine. But I mean, that's one thing if you're dealing with a seven-season story, a TV show or a ten-season show, and then you know, they're coming back once a season or once every few seasons. Okay, no problem. But you're dealing with three seasons of serialized episodes, and they're back to back to back during the board. And we've already talked about this. Picard has already dealt with, his trauma has been dealt with, and to me, his storyline wrapped up more than a good enough in first contact dealing with the board. Yet we keep going back to the same drawing board, and there's nothing else here. I wish there was something else here. It's just from who the big bad is. It's so disappointing to me. It's just like, really? The board? The board queen again? And we just had the board queen in season two? I don't know. But you guys are happy with it. That's fine. I'm not. Anyways, let's move on. Frontier Day. What'd you guys think? So we got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Whole, all of Starfleet is literally there. Not one single ship is anywhere else. So I just want to point that out. But you do get the reveal of the Enterprise F. So that was... That was something. And who's commanding the Enterprise F, at least probably for the Frontier Day celebration, is Commander Admiral Shelby from Best of Both Worlds. She dies. Talk about that. I don't know if you caught that in the aftermath of the chaos. Yeah, it's like very brief. Very brief. Yes, why don't we just talk about everything on Frontier Day and then the, I guess you see the chaos erupts once the plan goes into motion and all the youngsters are getting assimilated because of the code and the transportation technology, which is a cool plan that I like. I think that was really cool. But what do you think of all that then? Like, then the chaos. We will not talk about their escape, the, the classic crew's escape on the shuttle and Shaw dying in Seven and Rafi staying behind. That will be a separate talking point. Just maybe, any thoughts? Frontier Day and the start of this plan. Did you guys recognize things. Shelby right away? I didn't. But they did say it was her though, right? They said her name, but after you see her, so like I'm looking at her, I'm like... No, I did. That's somebody I'm supposed to know. 
Yeah, I did. Well, there was a far shot, the straight shot where you see you're sitting on the chair. And then yeah. you have the side shot, like which happened yeah. maybe 10 seconds later. The side shot is when I recognized that's definitely okay. Elizabeth Dennehy. I think that's the actress. Yeah. I did. I tell they said her name. I'm like, oh. I noticed that you put Brian Dennehy back on your avatar for Skype. You couldn't honor Elizabeth Dennehy. It had to be dad. Well, see, I already had this picture downloaded. So it was, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. Quick, Josh quick to throw in. Though. Okay, fair enough. At least you did a Dennehy. Bloodline is represented. I mean, come on. It's identity. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's boss. Okay, anyways. Continue. Sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. No. More on Shelby or the Enterprise or Frontier Day. The Enterprise F looked pretty cool. That was neat. This is quite anticlimactic. It's just, it's an Enterprise, and I guess it's kind of like the Enterprise B. I didn't have that emotional connection to it, even though I'm like, oh, it's the Enterprise. I want it to fly right into my heart, and yet it's not my Enterprise, and I have several Enterprises. So I don't want to say it fell flat. I thought it worked well. And what better okay. day to like introduce? I assume this was like the maiden voyage of it. And they're talking about the old NX-01. That was all pretty cool. Okay, can I ask uh, a question? We'll do a little segue quickly. Your okay. favorite Enterprise. Just the ship, not the crew. The ship itself. Like just from like a design, like how it looks. Man, if yeah. you could take the take, advancements away yeah. and they're all Wait, on all equal footing. Stuff. And if you're on Big equal cool. footing in terms of technology and size, but which design then? So I guess it's design. Outside and inside. Man, it's really close. And I mean, it's almost like a five-way tie. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Okay, I, fair I, enough. I love all of them, but I almost always come back to the Enterprise C. Oh, really? Yeah. That's an off-the-wall pick. Good for you. Okay, Nathan. I think the D, I like the aesthetics of the interior. Not that I don't love, like, the original, like, original, original Constitution from TOS, even though the movies were also pretty good. But there's something about that weird 80s retro future aesthetic. Like, everything's curves. They have some of those large areas of just, like, domes and stuff like that. I kind of dig it. It's sleek, although it's very close. I mean, they're all like really awesome chips and, and like the different eras have like these different looks and feels that are like really special. Mm-hmm. Well, mine is definitely the Enterprise specifically from the motion picture, the refit. Uh, of the yeah. original. Like the interior design and the bridge and just the look of that ship yeah. is fucking epic. I love that Enterprise. Oh, Not good. the Enterprise A, but like the retrofit from like the motion picture, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. That one. That's really awesome. It's the That's same like exterior. It's the same exterior. The, the interior is actually really awesome. The interior yeah. is just yeah. absolutely epic. Love so great. I love that exterior as well. That is yeah. a high pick. I love the interior on the on the refit where they have like that lounge area. room. That's yeah, like the Rec room. And then oh, even yeah. engineering looks great too. Everything. So awesome. Gives me the chills just thinking about it. Anyways, let's go back to Picard, Frontier Day. Can I ask you guys, I don't know who was talking. It might have been you, Jeff, here before you finish your thoughts. What about this plan of just, I know they're trying to do, have, they're celebrating, I think, probably formation of Starfleet. Shelby mentions, which yeah, is what Frontier they, Day is. But why have the whole fleet there? And then two, any comments on this weird, we are going to now do for the first time ever, have all the ships link up so they can be the same formation. And it's not just for demonstrative purposes for Frontier Day to look cool, but we think it's a great military idea. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I found that very odd. And it is immediately undermined. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I'm going to push my nerd glasses up my nose here. And they get a little thing wrong there when she's given her speech about the NX-01, like founding of what we would come to know as Starfleet. Like, nope, they were already Starfleet when they launched that ship. They had Starfleet. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that too. I thought that was the case. The Federation. Yeah, it was the founding Federation. Of the yeah. So mm-hmm. they can still have, like, it makes sense that Frontier Day still be kind of like the maiden voyage of the NX-01. And that's that, all that, fine. Yeah. Foundation of what would become the Federation. They were supposed to Assuming. cancel this show. Cancel this show. <laughs> that, is, that is just a, that's a, too, far. It's too, far. too far. Too far. So then they are revealing the Enterprise specifically because it was on the day of the maiden voyage of the NX-01. That was the impression I got. So why the yeah. fuck is yeah. Shelby taking the place of the new captain? Maybe he doesn't arrive till Tuesday. I was going to say, before she died, it's like fire phasers, and they say, it didn't come till Tuesday, and then she gets shot. Oh, that would so, have been hilarious. But this was the entire premise of Battlestar Galactica, was their analog ships were the only that could survive the Cylon invasion because they couldn't be oh, networked. Oh, that's right. Right? That's so, right. Oh, so I'm they like, stole they, it. I guess they stole it or didn't heat it because it does really see, I mean, I see what they're doing thematically, right? Like they're showing the vulnerability of the interdependency of the ships and like how that could be turned against you. But And also they kind of need to the show work and they need to make it an epic threat. So it's a plot point that, I mean, I'm disappointed. We, we knew this was coming. I right? talking about it for episodes, but yeah, it seems like a pretty poorly thought out celebration on Starfleet's part. <laughs> Is this still a neutral zone, right? Because I couldn't man in the neutral zone. Well, we're going to like all the ships together. Yeah, that, yeah, I can't imagine how that'd go wrong. Like, you guys have literally fought the Borg. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's crazy. I mean, I can understand some fail-safe system where if uh, ship's crew was incapacitated, the ship was still... Well, that's uh, what they have the prefix code for, or whatever they call it. Yeah, right? exactly. You could do something like that. So, I think that needed to pass in the writer's room there, but, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the formations were weird, hey? Eh? Like, when they put them all in... Yeah, they were... I thought they were going to spell out a word or something like that. I kind of thought I, so too. I'm like, I thought oh. that too. I was looking at it. I was like, like, it's like, not. It's not spelling anything. No. And this is just me, like whatever nerd speculating. Is it's a very three dimensional battle shape. So maybe that's why they did it. Is like they don't really do that. They learn from fighting Khan. You gotta have that that Z axis in there in order to prevail. So maybe that was why. Okay. How about uh, we roll into your thoughts, Nathan? everything on Frontier Day here. And that includes um, the chaos, like once the plan starts going. just We'll just stop before the crew escapes on the shuttle and Shaw dies there. First of all, one thing I was a little frustrated about was, how do you not see this like coming? You know, like militaries don't put, like you don't take all your military and just put it in one location, like unless you want to be destroyed, right? I mean, that's, I'm not a military guy. That sort of seems like a bit of a no-no. <laughs> That also sort of seemed like, oh, like, I don't know, again, like, I sort of felt like maybe I didn't know the specifics, but it's like, you kind of see this coming from, like, the start of the show. You know, you talk about Frontier Day. All of Starfleet's going to be there. And you talk about all the ships are interlinked. I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah, that needed another pass in the writing because I felt like it was just being telegraphed a little bit too hard. Well, even um, Jordy calls it out three episodes ago. I think we called it out as soon as they mentioned Frontier Day. It's like, really? All the ships are going to be in the same spot at the same time? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of weird. I mean, I guess you could sort of argue... Maybe this was just something that they couldn't fit it in, especially because we never really leave our core characters. But I mean, I guess you could argue that changelings 
would have like positions of power. They're the admirals or what I was like. And that's just what they ordered to do. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's what we're doing. And then as far as like the actual mayhem, I thought it was kind of funny that the assimilated crew were still kind of using comms. Aren't you all like linked together? Like, why would you still like... They? I thought they were just talking. I don't remember them. Using yeah, I thought they were just talking. Yeah. Maybe, maybe well, I missed but, something. I don't know. Well, I just, well, why would you say it like out loud? It just sort of seems like they're actually using the comms to say, well, we've secured the Titan. Well, I think that's for us. Not for them. I know it's for us. It's why I kind of like the board, like the way it would act in, you know, like first contact or the show. They didn't really do things like that. But anyway, what else? Again, like it sort of presents like a neat, again, like a neat Star Trek thing where, you know, your crew has turned on you, but you don't necessarily want to kill them. But we don't really sit with that. Well, there's kind of no time for it really kind of the episodes about, I suppose. The other thing that I thought, again, like just kind of funny, like I don't really understand. I guess I understand like, oh, the fleet sort of acts as one, but it's like, but why? I just couldn't quite understand like what the function of that is other than to like control the ships at the same time. It's just like to do it just to do it. Because we've seen Starfleet in, first of all, we have seen them do love that type of technology that we definitely have here in the early 21st century or that concept. But like in a battle sense, like I don't know what it really, like what the point is. It's all automation now. Uh, commentary. That's true. I don't know. But I mean, like they don't have, but then who's like kind of, so like who's controlling the battle? Like, well, that, don't really you don't know. AI system yeah, weird. it's really weird. Don't know. Yeah. So it just became like this weird contrivance just to sort of take control of Starfleet. So they kind of, it's almost like they had like this problem just work backwards from it without even really thinking of like, okay, why would they even have to just get the, well, the ships? And the weird thing is, they didn't need any of that you know, about the formation and all that bullshit and the takeover. The assimilation program or the, what the, yeah, their attack it was, the it would just take over the people and they control all yeah. the ship. Why do you need to have this? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a hat on a hat. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I did notice one of the ships, though, was the Hikara Sulu. Oh, was it? I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was on, one of on the, the ships that uh, obliterated the Excelsior. That yes, uh, yeah, which I thought was quite humorous. Oh, are you serious? The ship named after Sulu destroyed the rogue Excelsior? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic. That is awesome. That's funny. How about just, I guess then, before I get into it, any thoughts on seeing the Enterprise F there or Shelby, her dying very quickly there, Nathan? Any thoughts? I had no particular feelings about this new Enterprise. I mean, I guess it looks cool. I don't know. I don't really have any feelings on it one way or the other. Seeing Shelby killed was weird because I guess there was no true confirmation that Tuvok was killed, but it's like, wow, this is like another like legacy character that they've just offed, even though she wasn't like that big part of the show. And they also like cut away like very quick, cut away quick. Yeah. Very quick. Like just as about, I don't know if she's about to disintegrate or not, but like that's dead seas right there. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah, I mean, we don't know that she's dead dead, but I'm assuming that she's dead dead. See, so, yeah, I'll get into it. They John wicked her and they shot they, her in oh, the head uh, like three more times. They did? I thought it was just two times and I, it looked like it was a high torso no, no, shoulder no, I, or after, something. After, after oh. the cameras. Like, you see the two times and then someone else John oh. her after, <laughs> off camera. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I dug seeing Shelby. I thought that was a nice little thing. She obviously wasn't as big of a character as Ro. So her getting offed is not as troubling. But again, it's just, I don't know. 
it just feels like, you know, more cameos, Easter eggs for just the sake of just it being there for no reason and no depth and warmth. And she didn't really have any interaction with the crew. Like she could have said a couple of things. I know, I think she does try and respond to Picard briefly because Picard does say, this is Admiral Picard. There's a warning I have to give you. And I think she says something on the screen, but then immediately the events occur. So it's almost nothing there. The Seeing the Enterprise F, I mean, it's very hard to judge. We didn't get to see a lot of the design. There seems to be an arch underneath the nacelles there that continues on each side, which looks kind of interesting. But then it kind of goes to its underside. And then we don't see any more or anything else that happens to the Enterprise F. But I did feel that the reveal was a little underwhelming. I get its importance to Frontier Day. But just imagine, guys, I mean, I think, Jeff, we talked about this in season one, maybe even season two. Like, wouldn't it be nice just if the Enterprise, the new Enterprise just came in, helped them out in the climax of the season, and, you know, they have a little bit of time there. Here, it's just like the Enterprise F still does have a chance to participate in the events of the next episode. I would highly venture a guess that that would be a no, but you never know. But, I mean, I just kind of wish that the reveal would be a little bit more epic, you know? Kind of like at first contact when the Enterprise, the Defiance getting beat, the Enterprise comes in, and it, it's kind I just, you know, it just gives you the feast. You know, this is a very cinematic season TV show. And it's just like, you know, then if you're going to do it that way, then have some epic moments like that. Like we've been waiting for three seasons for the Enterprise. And now we just see it. And it was kind of like, it was like, okay, nice to see you, but I wish it was something better. I don't know. What'd you guys think? You had the same feel or you were happy with what you got on the Enterprise? Like I kind of said before, like I don't have any connection to this Enterprise. Like it, but it doesn't it's matter. like the Enterprise. Okay. B. It doesn't oh. matter to me all that much. So but it's still but that's what Enterprise. I mean. It's like it, it's underwhelming, right? Okay, so you're saying it. Okay. And I don't know how it's not going to be because it's not our Enterprise. The only thing you know? I, I would disagree is the Enterprise had the unprepared captain and the jokes of, you know, not coming until Tuesday. And then Kirk still saves the Enterprise. Uh, so yeah. I still felt that there was some there was well, something it, it, epic about it. it, it and has... then the reveal of it was epic with the champagne bottle and the christening of the ship, like a boat. So yeah. you still it, had those moments. True. It did have its moment. They did a good job with that, where they perhaps dropped it uh, for the Enterprise B is that it was a ship design that we were already familiar with. Okay, touche. But this also looks very similar to it's the It's definitely an iteration e. of the Enterprise E. Yeah, the Silver class. Yes, that's right. Okay, the rest of the Frontier Day, I won't restate what you guys have said. I think formation plan and they're all working in just a recipe for disaster and it was a disaster. So I found that humorous. It makes the fleet so vulnerable and it's just a dumb idea. Maybe we can just blame Shelby for it and then she dies. So I guess she's going to take the fall. So that's it for Frontier Day. I mean, the action was okay. I didn't mind. I liked how all the younger Starfleet officers are getting simulated and you have kind of the back to the, you know, both like the LaForge, Sydney LaForge and then the other pilot who's on the bridge of the Titan and they're not responding and you know they're getting assimilated. And I thought those scenes were good. Developed a little bit of tension there. So I liked some of that chaos and some of that outcome, even though again, I'm not a fan of the board coming back, but at least those scenes had a bit of tension. So I dug that. So then what happens now is the remainder of the episode, we see the crew of the Enterprise escape on a shuttle. Jordy's going to lead him to Fleet Museum, where we'll see you guys are talking about, you know, it's the Enterprise D revelation and Shaw getting shot. And, and apparently he's dead. I'm going to just state right here. I'll, you guys could talk more about the details. I'm telling you because the border here, Shaw's coming back. I did a big fist bump when Shaw died, but I just have the heebie-jeebies that the motherfucker's still going to come back. So because like Seven and Rafi are there, I'm 
I'm sure they're going to do something motherfucking. But that's just me. Anyways, you guys talk about everything. Going to the Fleet, Fleet Museum, them going on classic Enterprise D, Shaw dying, Raffi and Seven staying behind, how all this played out. Anyone jump in? Well, I mean, I poured one out for Captain Liam Shaw myself. I think he's probably dead. That seemed pretty dead to me. Yeah, I was expecting him to have, I was putting at least even odds on him having a uh, heroic death going out like that. Yeah, and that's fine. I thought he was a good character. I liked him a lot. Sorry to see him go and, you know, it's too bad. But yeah, wow. I mean, you see it coming. I didn't see it coming a mile away. But as soon as they're going back to the Fleet Museum. Okay, before you go, before you go there. Okay. What is the guess when they're going there? They give a hint saying that, you know, I've got, you know, I was going to save a surprise for you or they're going to use any one of these ships. I'm not saying before they get to the Fleet Museum, but at before those, you know, doors open, were you thinking, or even before the doors open, were you thinking of what kind of ship they were going to use? So, did yeah, you think it was going to be doors- D or E or a different ship? Like, what was in your mind there? I thought it was going to be E. Okay, before you continue, and I'll let you continue your thoughts after. Nathan, just jump in. I thought it was going to be the E as well. You know, the funny thing is, and, and obviously this would never happen out of respect for the legacy characters. Because before they, the doors open, as they're approaching the Fleet Museum and Riker goes, you know, because they need an analog ship is what they said, right? Yeah. I honestly thought they were going to get onto the Enterprise A, Kirk ship. I had a oh. funny feeling. I was going, oh boy, I, you know, as cool as and exciting that would be, I was saying, oh my God, I, half of me starting to like this and then the other half is like, oh shit, they better not do that. You know, that's Kirk ship. They shouldn't be using. But then I thought, same as you guys. Then I said, no, that can't. Sure, he's going to, it's going to be the Enterprise. And I said the same thing as you. But as soon as the doors open and I saw the deflector dish or the D's yeah. deflector dish, I said, yeah, you continue, Jeff. I'll get into my thoughts after. Yeah, as soon as you see the shape right away mm-hmm. and you know what it is. And yeah, I'll be honest. I started getting a little emotional. You know, I'm, I'm like, well, it's a little cheap, but you know, whatever. That's what they're doing in the show. And then I liked how Jordy's like explaining. He's like, well, you know, we had the prime director, we had to pull the saucer section off of the planet. We couldn't just leave it there. And the engines are from this other ship and he's working on restoring it. And like, it kind of all fits, even if it is a little bit of a stretch. But boy, when they walked down to that bridge, they did such a good job with that. Yeah. I didn't shed any tears, but they weren't far. Yeah. So first of all, I think Shaw's, I don't think they're going to do any Borg stuff, although they, we did see a Tribble. So if they want to pull some into darkness bullshit on us, they could definitely do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut and a horrible deep cut. One that will not heal, gives you an infection. But I think it's just a little more fitting that, because I think the whole point of that is now Seven is going to be Captain Titan. And I don't know, I'm hoping for a spinoff. That'd be kind of cool. But anyway... I was really shocked that they went there with restoring the D, like Jordy LaForge, like 25th century Jay Leno. Just like, I'm just working on a thing in my garage. It's just kind of funny that like, that's where the technology is. You just rebuild a starship, you know, something that like probably takes, you know, an unimaginable amount of manpower to Hmm. pull off. The Fleet Museum is going to be restoring spaceships all the time, probably not ones that have been obliterated, but their restoration work is going to be absolutely a part of what they do. So they would have the manpower to do some of those things. This is probably a bigger project they've ever done, but it's not really insane. This is the least egregious thing in this episode. (laughs) That's funny, though, is that the Fleet Museum seems to be just him and his daughter. Yeah, that's the other thing. There's nobody else there. It does seem that way, yeah. Yeah. But the other thing, though, too, and I think they've sort of kind of done this with, like, now with Star Trek of sort of introducing, like, drones. Because he does say, oh, I've got drones loading the torpedo bays, right? So I, I imagine there's, like, a level of automation that he can kind of direct. 
if this enterprise DF, this restoration is, if it's an amalgamation of like the original saucer section, he says the nacelles come from wherever. I mean, there were other galaxy class starships, like surely one of like some of them were kind of like, you know, parts were kind of used to sort of like rebuild the body section. Right. So, so I guess not impossible with some automation you just press some buttons and just, you just kind of do it. So, but when they stepped onto the bridge, like, wow, that was like, just from a, like a show production. I mean, that was like a pretty good, restoration a part of me almost wish they had like the early season wood paneling i just know that it wouldn't have yeah. flown with outside like a small subset of fans like myself <laughs> but yeah that it would have been great was, if jordy was like i even restored the original wood paneling oh that'd be, <laughs> that'd be awesome i do kind of hope maybe they won't do it because we've already had the beat of them around a conference table i hope that we get like maybe oh. a scene in the original conference that'd be awesome uh, and picard's ready room yeah and picard's ready room, ready room. Yeah. with the fish still there <laughs> Captain managed to find your old fish. They're still alive. That'd be great. Yeah, I dug it. I'm with you guys. A little bit of emotion when they got onto that bridge. It was fucking awesome. So that's pretty much all I got to say. I had a big smile through the whole fucking thing, but not as big of a smile as when Shaw got shot and died. When that happened, I leapt off my couch and I was doing fist pumps for the rest of the episode. It didn't matter. I was hardly paying attention. Shaw's dead. Yes. Justice is served. But I'm now left scared thinking about it because now they've stayed behind. I know they're trying to maybe put Seven in Captain, but I still think there is that possibility that Shaw will come back. It'd be funny because it serves him right because now he was bitching about Wolf 359 and Picard being assimilated and now he might get assimilated and that's how he's alive. Maybe that'll be kind of fitting for the character. But I will say, I wish as he died, he did not call her Seven. He's saying, no, your name is Hanson. No, I'm dead. That would have been perfect. Then I would have loved the character because it would it's like consistent. I know you guys love the character. I do not. I hope he stays dead. So that's it. So I think we covered it. I guess the only question I have for you guys is... One episode left. Yeah. There's a lot still to resolve. You know, yeah, we there's got, a fair amount to go. Well, because we got to, let me see, I wrote a couple things down. I have no idea for spoilers. Is it going to be pretty predictable ending here? Because, you know, pretty much what we have and then stuff to still resolve is not just the Borg or the Borg Queen. There's still changelings out there. Is Tuvok going to be addressed at all? You know, then we I talked hope to- they address that. It sort of feels like there's a good chance he might be dead. Or that's a launching pad for, as you said, a potential spinoff for Seven Show, if that's coming. Search for Tuvok. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> the search for t- If it's called that, green light that sucker right now. And oh. it's like in this <laughs> that, 10 seasons. In that shit holiday program where they have that like Hawaiian luau bar. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. It's like, what? Did I miss something? I've been retired for 30 years. What's going on? That's yeah. right. So we have all that to resolve. And then I just have a question. You know, this is kind of getting a little, do you guys think it's going to be pretty predictable or trope? Because we didn't talk about Jack kind of submitting himself to Queen at the end there on the ship. So he gets jacked in. Looks like he's about to get assimilated. But is it going to be as simple as, you know, kind of like a last minute turnaround, Picard will be him. Whether Picard's on the Borg Cube or not, I'm assuming Picard's going to go by himself on the Borg Cube. Face Alice Krieg again as the Borg Queen. Jack's going to be there. Maybe Borg's going to be surrounding him. Borg drones. He's going to plead to Jack and Jack's going to turn the tables on the Borg Queen. Whether Jack survives or not, 
assuming he will. Is it going to be as predictable as that? Again, I have no spoilers. I don't know what's happening, but you guys think it's going to be as predictable as that? My fear is that like, we're just sort of setting up exactly what happened last season of like, will Jack just like take over the Borg now or something like that? Are we going to see the Borg destroyed for like the umpteenth millionth time? I mean, well, that's going to be the the end result is the Borg is going to be destroyed for the umpteenth time. I mean, there's no way you're going to end this season with them still out there as a threat. So I'm assuming the Borg are going to be resolved 100%. Borg Queen is going to be destroyed again. My question is, from your perspective, is it going to be as simple as that? And then there's other stuff to resolve. You got one episode. I, I hope they kind of pull a rabbit out of the hat and kind of surprise us. I hope so. I'm not sure they're going to. Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, it's certainly possible that it'll just be that. However, I feel like they have a bit more action in store. Oh, that's the end game. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to have a little fight. You know, it'd be nice for the Enterprise F to get involved, as I've kind of hoped for. And maybe more of the fleet might get involved, but who knows? To me, it looks like they're all there in Sector 001, and now because they went to the Fleet Museum, they're just taking off the Enterprise D. And yeah. they're going to track down the board cube, and it's going to be a mono a mono thing. Yeah, that could very well be. That's totally possible. Don't know. We'll see. We'll have to wait a week. Okay. I guess that's... I'm not asking for predictions, but are you worried is my question to you. Do you think that we have now enough runway? There's a lot of threads to resolve here. Is there enough time to do it justice? So, there's enough runway for sure. Okay. Can okay. they land it? I mean, I don't know. Time will tell. Am I worried? I'm not really that worried. Part of not being that worried is like, I, I care, but like, I don't, you don't care. You don't well, expect. I care, but like, I'm not going to be at, mad at it. It's a show, man. Like, it, they're going to do what they're going to do. And I've been happy so far with what they've done. I mean, we've leveled every criticism in the book at it. I've enjoyed it despite all of that. So all of the criticisms that were thrown at the show are largely due to plot contrivances. And Nathan called it earlier. He said, like, they're kind of working backwards from a problem. And what the problem they're working backwards from is they know they want to get all of the gang together. So there's certain givens that they have to take into account and then they got to write a story out from there. So number one, they got to have everybody back. Okay. Number two, they got to give everybody something to do dramatically. Otherwise they're not going to come back. And three, they have to tie certain plot points up that either weren't sufficiently addressed or would naturally come up if you're bringing them back, i.e. like the whole data and Jordy thing. There's things that they really don't have a way out of to like to just not do. So those are actually complex moving parts. So now they're writing the story backwards from having like a character driven, you know, conflict laden dramatic series, right? So they're doing all this stuff backwards. That's not the best way to write a story, but they had no choice if they were going to do anything with this cast, right? So that's where all of this plot comes, is they're just going, they're writing it in the wrong direction. When you consider that they're writing in the wrong direction, they're doing a pretty good job with what they have. So am I too worried about what they're going to come up with at the end? Not really, because it's more about like the journey for the characters, their arcs, and these characters that all of us have grown up watching again and again and again and again and falling in love with over and over again and having all these moments and memories, it's more important that they get their due as opposed to this, like, I, maybe it sounds silly that for the story to really make sense. That That is a secondary concern for them. And it's obviously a secondary concern for them. Again, not the right way to write a story, but you have no choice if you want it to. So that's my rant. Fair enough. Okay, Nathan, how about yourself? Concerns, yes, but... You know, I think I've been like, for the most part, pretty happy with this season. So, you know, it doesn't have to be like a perfect 10 on the land unless it goes completely sideways. 
I think the other thing that also would makes me like not get too like worried about whether or not like it the end is good or not is that in the before times when like you don't get much of your favorite franchises, there's lots of Star Trek kind of going on. The season's been pretty good. If the end is not perfect, I can live with it. And there's other things that kind of keep me going as at the same time. I think for the most part, I'm optimistic that they'll at least like have like at least a conclusion that I can <laughs> at the very least uh, live with, I guess. I mean, that doesn't sound too optimistic, I, I suppose. But I think that we'll kind of get some satisfying thrills in the last episode. Maybe one more surprise cameo. I don't know. Hmm. I didn't say that surprise cameo because I have knowledge of anything. It's just because the show's been pretty been cameo so heavy. Many. Yeah. Why not one? Maybe Wesley just shows up and saves the day. Day sex machina. Or, yeah, as you know, we mentioned him in every episode. Maybe Cisco, this finally comes. Oh, saves boy. Every, that'd yeah. be great. Anyways. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a little different than you guys from a critical perspective. I was really hoping that because story was such a big problem the first two episodes, that that would be the focus. You know, I'm all happy that the crew's back together. I think everyone's gotten some good moments, but I am a little worried about resolving the story here. I was hoping for more, but I still have some faint hope that they can pull something off that's somewhat, you know, I could live with, I guess. But yeah, from a story perspective, I'm left scratching my head on a few of these plop. But anyways, we'll see how it goes. Still enjoying things, I guess. It's still fun to watch, especially because the characters are all back together. That's all I'll say for now. So why don't we just wrap up just the individual episodes, final thoughts, just as a recommend or not recommend. Nathan, do you recommend episode eight and episode nine or either or? I recommend them. I do wonder how they play if you were to kind of like binge the whole thing as opposed to the weekly model, because there's sort of an aspect to them that's kind of hard to remember. Sort of the way like shows are these days where this season's been a little bit better about it, but a total recommend. Okay. I'll give a recommend to episode eight and a... It's hard for me to not recommend episode nine, but it's a bear pass because I'll recommend it just for the Enterprise D reveal and the crew getting back on that ship. But outside of that, I'm not a fan of the story points with Borg there. I think that's just vanilla. And some people like vanilla. I fucking hate it. Anyways, go ahead, Jeff, yourself. I thought a couple of solid episodes. Like, I think the series, or sorry, the season was stronger at the start than now, but solid episodes good character moments and yeah seeing the gang together especially on the bridge of the enterprise d which i didn't think they were ever gonna do was pretty special so yeah it's not the greatest star trek yeah i I recommend it good solid episodes well i guess that does it for today our review of episodes eight and nine of star trek picard season three so i guess guys we will reconvene and review the final episode next week unless something conflicts on thursday so i guess we'll see you then right on looking forward to it all right good one all right i'll talk to you guys later all right see you guys